Thank you, ladies. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 18, 2 Kings chapter number 18, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us through His Word tonight, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful day already in the Lord's house. I hope you've enjoyed the music, uh, the fellowship, and I look forward to what God has for us now uh, out of the Word of God. 2 Kings chapter number 18, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 28. And I'm going to read down through verse number 36, and we'll pick up in verse number 28 of 2 Kings chapter number 18. Uh, let me tell you where we are at in Scripture. Uh, the people of God, King Hezekiah and Israel, have been uh, besieged by uh, the Assyrian army and King Sennacherib. And uh, we're going to read a, an account, part of what uh, takes place in that story, and then uh, there are some practical truths that I want to give us tonight that I think will, I know will help us uh, in our Christian life. Uh, I often remind you that the Christian life is one of spiritual warfare. And when we are not vigilant, uh, we, are, we are a prime candidate for defeat. Uh, we must always, and we do know we're on the winning side, uh, with the, the, the God has overcome the world. The one who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Uh, but there's some things that I want us to be aware of tonight, and I think it will be a help to us. Let's begin reading in verse number 28 of 2 Kings 18. Then Rapshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. I find it interesting that uh, he spoke the Jews' language. Uh, just because somebody speaks the lingo, uh, spiritual lingo doesn't mean they have your best interest in mind. <clears throat> Verse number 29, Thus saith the king, let not, this is he's speaking on behalf of the king of Assyria, uh, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand, neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me, buy a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive, and of honey, that ye may live and not die. I'll say more about this in a moment, but he's saying, I'll take you to a place like yours, but better. And you'll not die there, and hearken not unto Hezekiah, when he persuaded you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land, out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvim, Hena, and Evia? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand? What he's saying is, oh, everybody's got their God that they depend on. But look what's happened to this people and this people and this people. Verse 36, but the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, answer him not. I want to look at this passage of Scripture tonight, and I want to speak on this subject, discerning the appeal of the oppressor. Discerning the appeal of the oppressor. Rapshakeh 
on behalf of Sennacherib, the king of Israel, was there trying to get God's people to surrender to them. He was the oppressor, but he makes a pretty good speech. A pretty good appeal. If you don't, you're going to die. But if you do, oh, we'll give you a land that's like your land, but it's so much better. Tonight, I'm going to give us some things that I believe that will help us as we discern the appeal of the oppressor. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God teach us, instruct us, uh, may you guide us, may my thoughts be uh, very clear. And Father, I pray that your will be done tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Rabishka, the messenger of King Sennacherib, he was the king of Syria. The Assyrians were a pagan people, a wicked people. Sennacherib was a wicked king. And basically, we could get to this point with King Hezekiah and God's people where they get an ultimatum to surrender. To you're, you're, There's nowhere for you to go. You're, you're not going to win, so just surrender. It's a good analogy for you and I that the enemy, the oppressor, is always getting us to surrender. God's people do not go looking for a battle, but friend, the moment you and I got saved, we were entered into a spiritual battle. We must fight to do the things that are right. We must be alert. That's why the Apostle Paul uh, likens it to a spiritual warfare to put on the whole armor of God because we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. Make no mistake about it. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy uh, your, your church. He's doing a very good job of destroying our nation. Uh, and, and he does it because he's a liar. He does it because he lies to uh, God's people and they, they don't discern uh, the appeal of the oppressor. Uh, while this is a wicked man, I've got to give him some credit because he makes a pretty good speech. He would have been a very successful blogger today. He would have been a very successful one at, at, at going after God's people and making an appeal to them uh, to go against what they should do. He makes a great speech to the people, and as I've already seen, and we've already pointed out in Scripture, he, he spoke the Jews' language. The emissaries came from King Hezekiah and said, just speak to us in your language. We understand your language. And if you read the, the Scripture preceding, he says, no, I'm, I'm going to speak to everyone so everybody uh, can hear what I have to say. Be very careful of those that they may speak the same language, they may say the same words, they may talk in the spiritual jargon, but they do not have your best interest in mind. He makes an appeal. Make no mistake, friend, the devil, before, while he wants to destroy you, will make an appeal to you. He makes an appeal. Churches like ours are constantly, there are those making an appeal Christian people, such as yourself, there's an appeal being made. He makes very enticing promises. But don't miss this. Bear in mind, Rapshika represents the oppressor no matter the appeal. No matter what he promises, we must not lose sight of the fact of who he represents. And friend, if there's anybody that, that is bringing you something contrary to the Word of God... No matter what they offer and what promises they make, how grand of a speech it is, 
Never forget who they represent. He represented the oppressor. How foolish would it have been, and we'll see the end of of how things end up uh, in just a few moments, how foolish would it have been to listen to the words that are being said, hear the promises that are being made, and lose sight of the fact that this is the oppressor making the appeal. He is the uninvited guest. He is the one, how bold, of the enemy. He's the uninvited guest. That He's representing the army that is oppressing the people of God, yet he makes this speech and this appeal to get them to surrender themselves to him. He wants Israel to surrender the sacred things to him. They did not belong to Sennacherib. They did not belong to the, the armies of Assyria. No matter the speech, no matter the appeal... He did, they did not belong to him. He, they were the uninvited guests. They were, he was the oppressor. He represented the oppressor. And can I just say on the heels of that, uh, the oppressor is not welcome in my house. The oppressor needs to stay out of our church. The oppressor needs to stay out of your marriage, out of your home. Don't sacrifice the sacred things. Well, Pastor, he's offering a good deal. No, we are promised victory through the strength of the Lord. No matter how dark the day, no matter how, how, how uh, you cannot see how it's going to take place, don't make a deal with the devil. Don't make a deal with the oppressor. Uh, he is not welcome. The oppressor tries to take that which is sacred. Uh, our heritage is sacred. Our families are sacred. Uh, too many Christian parents through the years have made a deal with the oppressor and they've lost their kids because of it. Too many churches have made a deal with the oppressor and they've lost their church because of it. Quite frankly, our nation has made deals with the oppressor. My, how our nation has suffered because of that. Tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention, I'm going to make six statements Concerning, and don't let the number of statements scare you. I'll let you out early this morning. That will help us discern the appeal of the oppressor. Because let me say this. When you're tired and hungry and scared and afraid that it's all going to come to an end, that oppressor in his speech, he can make it sound really good. He knows what to say and when to say it and how to say it. I mean, the, the, to, to young people, a Christian mom and dad will draw some guardrails and there'll be some disappointment and there'll be some, some, some anger because of that. Then all of a sudden, that appeal of the oppressor starts to sound pretty good. Churches like ours, we battle and we battle and we battle and we battle and then we get weary. Then things take place in your nation that take place and then there's an appeal. Wouldn't it be nice to be the popular church in town? Wouldn't it be nice to go to a family reunion and family actually speak to you? Well, Some of you, there's no hope for you in that regard. 
But I'm going to give you six statements to help us discern. See what is really being offered. To see what is really meant in this grand speech by the oppressor. Statement number one is this. Look at with me in verse number. Let me, let's read verse number 29 and I'll give you the statement. Then saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you. Statement number one is this. The oppressor attempted to create doubt in the authority. The oppressor still does that. How bold for him to stand there and say, don't let your king deceive you. What is he saying? He's saying Hezekiah is going to sacrifice you. Hezekiah doesn't have his best interest, your best interest in mind. Hezekiah is lying to you. And friend, I shouldn't have to draw the conclusion because I think it will be very clear to us. The oppressor does the same thing. The oppressor wants to create doubt in your authority. The oppressor, young people, will come and say, do your parents really know what they're talking about? The oppressor will come to you and say, your pastor just doesn't want you to have it. He wants to control everything you do. When nothing could be further from the truth. But the oppressor just wants you, just wants to put doubt in your authority. He'll do it with the Word of God. Is that really what that says? Is that really the Word of God? Can you really trust that? So we see the pattern here. The first thing the oppressor does is he attempts to create doubt in your authority. So tonight how we discern that is don't let him do it. Don't let him create doubt. And I'll get to that more at the end, but let's notice the pattern. He attempted to create doubt in your authority. To the teenagers and young people in here, if you have godly parents, you have parents that, that do try and do the right thing, they bring you to the house of God, you listen to them. As I preached this morning, it doesn't matter what mom and dad have done, what, what mistakes they've made, you have a responsibility to be a good child. We have this mindset today that, well, you know, because our founding fathers weren't perfect, then I can just burn the country down. But we have that same mindset with young people who are growing up in Bible-preaching churches. Well, don't you know the pastor's a man? <gasps> Shocker. My mom and dad weren't perfect? No way. And they use as an excuse... And be very careful, and this is what we have to learn. If you, but what they don't understand, young people, is, that, is as I also mentioned this morning, you don't know how much your parents have prayed for you. You don't know the work that's been put into them. You don't know what your pastor uh, does for you as he prays for you in the middle of the night. You don't know the price that has been paid so that we have a word of God. It's been passed down through generations. Don't let the oppressor attack the authority in your life. Statement number two, look at verse number 30. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. Statement number two is this. He attacked, then, then the oppressor attacks your faith in God. Once he goes after your authority, the next step is what he's really after. Your faith in God. I preach on this not too long. For you to submit to the authorities that God has placed in your life is to submit to God. 
To rebel against the authority that God has placed in your life is to rebel against God. And when he attempts to create doubt in your authority, number two, the oppressor is going to attempt to, he's going to attack your faith in God. What is he saying here? He's saying, hey, you listen to Hezekiah. Don't let him deceive you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord. Oh, because that authority is lying to you. That authority has uh, ulterior motives. That authority has sinister desires. They just want to build. He just, Hezekiah just wants to build his kingdom and protect his kingdom and, 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 and have it and make it. Hezekiah just wants to make a name for himself. And the moment you give your ear to that, the oppressor now has attacked your authority. And who has helped give you faith in God? The authority you have. I first learned from my parents to have faith in God before I ever read it in that Bible. Many of you could say you first learned from the pulpit by a pastor to have faith in God before you actually were able to get in the Bible and, and learn it for yourself. It's all about depending on Him. And they, He attacked the faith in God. Cast, all He's doing is casting doubt on God's ability. Is it really better? Is God really going to... They won't say it like this. Is God really going to bless you the way you hope he does? Oh, here's a good one. Well, if, if you go to Bible college, what are you going to do for a career? If I mean, I mean, God can't provide a job for you. God can't take care of you. If you put your kids in the Christian school, how in the world are they ever going to get a scholarship so that they can have a career and take care of you? I mean, you don't say it like that, but that's really what it means. I'm going to be very, very careful. The, the oppressor, we have to discern the appeal of the oppressor. He's going to attack your faith in God. Look at what it says, verse 29. Thus saith the king of... Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. He ain't going to help you. The king's not going to be able to help you. Then he goes even further. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. I mean, I know, every time something comes up, all, all pastor says is, God's in control. What does that even mean? Are we can trust God. Trust him to what? What does that even mean? Wait on the Lord. What, well, how long am I supposed to wait on the Lord? I mean, that's, that, he just, pastor just doesn't know. So when he doesn't know, he just says, wait on God. When he doesn't know, he just says, trust God. I will confess to you this evening, there are many times I don't know. So what do I do? I wait on the Lord. I trust in God. Hezekiah didn't know how that was going to turn out, but he knew he had a God he could depend on. And the oppressor first attacks the authority. Then the oppressor is going to attack your faith in God. Because if he can shake, how do we please God? Faith. How, how, how do we move God? By our faith. If he can attack your faith in God... You can be defeated. Because truth of the matter is, some people say, I don't have faith. Everybody has faith. So how, how can you believe in God and not evolution? Because I have faith in God, not a bunch of knucklehead scientists. 
Can you say knucklehead from behind the pulpit? It's better than what I wanted to say. You have faith in somebody. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I, I read this. Then you don't have faith in God. And that's what the oppressor does. He wants to shake your faith in God. Statement number three. Oh, it's laid out here. It's amazing how God lays this all out. We continue reading. We get down to verse 31. Hearken not to Hezekiah. For thus saith the king of Assyria. Okay? Hezekiah does not have your best interest in mind. This is, bear in mind, this is the uninvited guest. This is the oppressor. This is the, the, the one representing who's never done a thing for those people, who's never fought a battle for those people, who just wants to enslave those people, but he can make a pretty good speech. So he attacks the authority. Then he goes after the faith in God. And then, as he has turned and cast doubt on the king they've had, he casts doubt on the God they've depended on. Because after all, if he was the true God, you wouldn't be besieged by this army right now. You wouldn't be in the situation you're in. And sometimes our, our humanity, our, our, our lack of faith, our weakness, it's easy for us to believe what we're experiencing over what God has said. And when the oppressor begins to attack so you're never going to get out of this. Then after he's, he does that, he comes in verse number three, he offers a compromise, or number three, he offers a compromise. Hezekiah's lying to you. Don't, don't make him, don't, don't listen to him so that you trust in the Lord. Verse 31, hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, make an agreement with me by a present. Hey, I, I'm the good guy. I'm here to give you something. Now, don't look, look how bad it is because you've listened to Hezekiah. He's going to deceive you into, into believing your God. But I represent somebody who just wants to help you. Somebody just woke up there. I, represent, I just represent somebody who wants to do good for you. Notice what he says in verse 31. Make an agreement with me by a present and come out to me and then eat ye every man of his own vine. Make an agreement with me. Can you, can you hear him saying it? Be reasonable. There's no sense in anybody getting hurt today. There's no sense in anybody dying today. Be reasonable. Well, bearing in mind, he had no business there. He was the oppressor. We wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for you. Be reasonable. <clears throat> and the oppressor is very, very good at turning the difficult situation and putting the blame and the responsibility on those that have no blame and responsibility. Now, be reasonable, my friend. There are some things still worth dying for. There are some things still worth fighting for. And I, I've just made up my mind, if it's me and nobody else, that's just the way it's going to be. There are some things, there are some hills that are still worth dying on, and there are some that this preacher will die on. Well, you're just unreasonable. That's the point. You weren't invited. This is God's church. You've done nothing, oppressor, to help the people of this church. 
This is, this is not belong to you. You're not the invited guest here. Uh, this is my home. This is the family God has given me. This is the responsibility I have. And yes, there are some difficult times and there are some difficult days. But let me tell you something. No matter how it looks, God has never let his people down. He has never forsaken his people. He's always been a good God. As a matter of fact, we're in this situation because of you, oppressor. It would be better if you weren't you. And by the way, it might do some Christians a good thing to kind of get this attitude about. I'm not looking to be reasonable with those that are oppressing the things that I love. I'm not looking to be reasonable and get along with those. Why can't we all get along? Because I didn't invite you to oppress me. I didn't invite you to hinder the work of God. I'm not going to get along with you. I'm not going to be reasonable. Well, these, if it wasn't for those, if it wasn't for that, 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 those, those disagreeable independent Baptists. Well, there's just some things that, that I don't think we ought to give up. Well, we can come to a solution. Yeah, you leave. Pastor, can we come to some kind of solution? I got it. Go. And we'll be happy again. He wanted to make it. I'm the good. I want to make an agreement with you. He said, and those, you know, those Bible believers. We could do something about them. And then it comes down. Well, that one, that one church. They just, they're just not. No, there's some things that you can offer a compromise. I don't think we ought to take the compromise. Well, how can we get along? Yep, you go back over your side of the world and get out of our country, and we'll get along. Uh, notice the progression here. I want to help us discern. I can almost hear the voice of people that live in this day going through this progression. And I'm reminded of who they represent. They don't represent God. They don't represent the liberty that they proclaim to represent. Uh, be reasonable. I think it's very reasonable for the oppressor to leave and stop oppressing. Statement number four is this. He entices, the oppressor entices with freedom and ease. Look back in verse 31. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, make an agreement with me by a present and come out to me. And then this is what's going to happen. And then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree. And drink ye every one the waters of his sister. If you would just make a deal with me, you don't have to be holed up and behind those walls. You can have your own fig tree to eat from. You can have your own water. Oh, it—it it, it is. It, it, you, you're going to eat of your own. They paint this picture. You have your own vine. You can just eat off of. Life is going to be so good. You know, you stick with Hezekiah and you're in bondage. You're in prison behind those walls. What's God going to save you from? God's got you inside those walls. You make a deal with me and you're free. How many Christians' lives have been ruined and destroyed? Because the oppressor who wasn't invited, the oppressor 
who wants nothing but to destroy us, attacks the authority, attacks our faith in God, offers a compromise, and then he entices with freedom and ease. You'll have what you don't have now. But on the other side of that wall, they, they still were who they were. They still had God to look to. And we'll see that. And friend, listen to me tonight, especially the young people, listen to me. There are those in this world that will say, oh, you're going to let that Bible constrain your life. You're going to let that church limit your life. And oh, somebody else is going to decide how you dress and what you do and how, and how you go. But if you'll make a deal, if you'll sell your king out, if you'll turn your back on those who have fought battles for you, and you'll leave your home and your city, you will be free. Boy, can you imagine the oppressor opening his Facebook account and posting how free he is and how wonderful everything is and how happy he is. And Oh, ever since, I probably started a, a Facebook group. And this is for all of those who, who are being reformed for being slaves of King Hezekiah. We made the deal and now we're free. He entices with freedom and liberty and ease. That Christian life is hard. That Christian life, you have to make sacrifices. That Christian life, uh, you've got to live by faith. But oh, out here, I mean, look, I mean, he names all these cities that have already been conquered, these cities that have already given in, that the Assyrians outnumbered them vastly. I mean, that ought to tell you something, that you're in such a minority. What's wrong with you people? Then, just into my mind, they flip that around, and it's like, why, 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 why do you want to be just what, like the people tell you to be, and the, the, the majority are the ones who are trying to be the same. But he entices with freedom and ease. Number five, this ties right into it. The oppressor promises a better life. Look at verse number, let's go back and read verse 31. Just hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man of his own vine, and every one his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern. I'm trying to help us discern the oppressor tonight. He says, you're going to eat your own. You can go home. You can be free. Paints this picture of utopia. We're not so bad. It's Hezekiah's fault. You're in the walls with him. But look at verse number 32, that first word. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive, and of honey, that ye may live. Notice the wordings of the Bible. Until I come and take you away. That don't sound very free, does it? You can be free until I take you away from your land. Now, it's going to be better than yours. But you're leaving yours. Listen to me tonight. Let me help you, young people, from the youngest to the oldest, that oppressor will come, and he will begin to put doubt in the authorities in your life. And what he's really after is your faith in God. 
He'll attack your faith in God, and then he'll offer you a compromise. Hey, it's going to be a life of freedom and ease, and you're not going to have to worry about any of those rules. You're not going to have to worry about what mom and dad have always said. You can do what you want, go where you want to do. You have no limitations, and I'm going to give you a better life. I'm going to promise you, but let me tell you, he says it, but he clouds it with everything else in there until I come to take you away. It's going to be better but it's not going to be your home. It's not going to be your home. See, when you give in to the oppressor, you give up something. Well, I just don't understand why, why, why my family can't accept me. Hold up. You left with the oppressor. Doesn't mean they don't love you. But you're going to get taken away. Be very careful. There's something about no matter what happens. And there are many that have moved away through the years, and it's, it's a wonderful thing to see them when they come back. Don't give up your home church. Don't give up your pastor. You're going to need a pastor one day. Don't give up what, what so many have fought to keep. What is the biggest, it's a tragedy in our own nation to see what, not that somebody's taking it from us, we're just giving it up. But the same is true by Christians in our Bible-believing churches. We believe the oppressor. I will give you a better life until I decide to take you away. You know, it's going to be better if you don't, have to deal with all those things. It's going to be better if you don't, if you have the freedom and the liberty. But once you make that deal, you're, the oppressor expects to own you. Hey, at least when I'm hunkered down behind my walls, they're in my walls. At least when we circle as a church, it's our church. At least when we're in a spiritual battle, we're, we're, we're in our home. We're with our church family. The, the gates of hell can attack the church, but we're together. I have, may have to make some decisions for my home and my family, but I have my home. I have my family. But that oppressor, he'll come and he'll, until he decides it's time to take you away. That doesn't sound like it's optional. How many times that's played out in the life of a Christian? They drink from their own cistern. They eat from their own vine. Look at those oppressed people behind those walls. I was like one of them. Hey, come on out. It's, it's, it's okay. It's going great. This guy is so much better then that old king, until the day comes, the oppressor says, I'm taking you away. It's going to be better. He ain't taking you to a better land. You're now a slave. Sennacherib was conquering them so he could have slaves. And friend, I would much rather be confined to this Bible and to live by a narrow life by this Bible. I'd rather be 
bound in a slave to the Scripture and to holiness than to be a slave to sin and a slave to this world. Every man has a master. It's either going to be God or it's going to be this world. It's either going to be the king of kings or it's going to be sin. It's either the spirit who controls their actions, the spirit who controls their relationships, the spirit who controls what they put in their body, the spirit who controls where they go, what they say, what they wear, the things they're, they're around, the things they partake in. It's either going to, well, you're just... That, the way you live, you just don't ever get, hey, I would rather be enslaved by the Scripture than a slave to this world. But he promises a better life until I will take you to another land. You'll be a slave. But at least the land will be better than your land. Then number six, this is where I want to really help us discern. I, I think we've laid out here the game plan of the oppressor. And let me say, there's nothing new under the sun. I've talked to this through the years. The Bible says that we're not ignorant to the devices of Satan. And the same thing Satan did on the page of Scripture, he still does to us today. So if we can discern... In this situation, what he did, we can discern it in this world today. So you mean he hasn't changed? No, it works too well. Too many fall for it. Let me give you number six. The oppressor never tells the whole story. Look with me. I found this interesting in verse 33. After he's attacked Hezekiah, after he's attacked God, he's made his compromise, he's made his offer, I'll give you something. You're going to have freedom. You're going to have liberty. It's going to be better than you can imagine. I'm going to, I'm going to promise you something better. I'm going to give you a better land. Then he comes to verse 33. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? He says, why do you think you're going to survive? Nobody else has. He goes and he names all these people in. Verse 35, who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand. He said, everybody else has said the same thing. And if we're not careful, we'll let the oppressor convince us that what he's saying is true. Now, what is being said in verses 33, 34, 35, and 36 is true. Those countries, those people have been conquered. Their gods did not deliver them. But look with me in chapter number 19. I love this. In verse number 17. Chapter 19, verse 17. This is Hezekiah praying to the God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed their nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they, were no, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. This is what he says. These are all these nations, and their gods didn't save them. But as Hezekiah points out, he's not telling the whole story. Yeah, that's true, but God, they didn't have you. 
They had false gods. They had gods made in man's image. They had gods made out of stone, and those gods could not save them. See, the oppressor's not going to tell you the whole story. They're going to tell you some things that might on paper be true as far as they weren't delivered, and this is what happened, and these, these gods couldn't save them, and if we're not careful, we'll listen to that and say, well, I think that might be true, and that might be true, but they're not going to tell you the whole story. They're not going to tell you that those gods, yes, those gods didn't deliver them, but they're not really gods. Be careful listening to the oppressor. They never tell you the whole story. Never tell you how it's going to end up. You know, they will say some things about Hezekiah. They don't tell the whole story. And they'll tell you, can you see the way your mom and dad handled that? Or you see the way pastor handled that or church handled that? But they don't tell you the whole story. They don't tell you the whole truth. Oh, let me tell you what's going out here in such and such a, uh, a world in, in this type of a church. And this, they don't tell you the whole truth. They don't tell you the whole story. Just like the oppressor did there. What he said took place. All of these countries have been conquered. All their, none of their gods could prevent them. But as Hezekiah points out and reminds us, he says in verse 7, Of a truth, Lord. The kings of Assyria have destroyed their nations and their lands and have their cast of gods into the fire, but they were no gods. That's the rest of the story. That's the facts that get left out. That's the difference in those nations' gods and Jehovah God. Friend, don't listen, discern. We have to discern the appeal of the oppressor. The oppressor is not going to tell you you're going to be a slave and offer you freedom. The oppressor is going to use examples of this one and that one and this parent and that parent and this church and that pastor. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. They, they, they don't, young people, they don't tell you the sacrifices your mom and dad made. Well, they don't. Can, can I just say, and I'm going to preach on this soon. There's some verses that are still in the Bible that we need to be reminded of. Dishonoring your mom and dad does bring a shorter life. That's still in the Bible. This is an unpopular one the day we live, but it goes right with what we're saying. Speaking against the man of God does shorten your life. Does bring you trouble. You may not believe it, but it doesn't matter if you believe it. Truth of the matter is, it doesn't even matter if I believe it. God said it. It takes place. I say all that to say, you better listen. You better be careful listening to the oppressor because they're not going to tell you the whole story. They're going to tell you what they want you to hear to make you believe that what they're saying is true. And many times, and I'll just use the, the, the office of the pastor, because if it wasn't for that pastor, you could, yep. And sometimes the pastor, this pastor at least, is willing to preach the truth from behind this pulpit. And if I see that, that down the end of the road you're going on, I'm going to say you better not go down there because I know what's down there. I've seen others go that way. And the Spirit of God has said to me through this book, don't do that. I love you enough to come to you and tell you exactly what I just said. And if I'm the obstacle, I'm the obstacle. But what the oppressor doesn't tell you is that I don't just do that. 
I get up in the wee hours of the morning and pray for you. I shed tears for you. I seek the will of God for you. But the oppressor is not going to tell you that. They're just going to get on their keyboard in their mama's basement and tell you about how mean the man of God is. The oppressor doesn't tell you the sleepless nights they have. The oppressor doesn't tell you the tears uh, that have been shed by your Christian mom and dad, by those who have invested in your life. The oppressor leaves that part out. And the oppressor is always very good at leaving out the part that God always wins. His word is always true. And what God says is going to take place is going to take place. He leaves out the part where God will never leave you nor forsake you. He leaves all that out that we can go to him and that God is a benevolent God and he's a good God. Don't listen to the oppressor. They don't tell the whole story. On the surface, what he was saying was true. But he failed to highlight the part that those gods were not really gods. Don't listen to the voice of the oppressor. I end with this. Here's, notice, I, I can't help but as I see we want to discern and we see the game plan, if you will, for the oppressor. I noticed two things that was a response in this case that ought to be our response. In verse number 36 of chapter 18. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. That's good advice to follow. They held their peace and answered him not a word. I preached this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not debating. I'm not even answering the oppressor. Well, they, they expect an answer. Good. Hope they brought a lunch. I, I don't jump to the oppressor. I can speak for myself on this. I listen for the voice of God. Christian, quit, quit engaging the oppressor. What, what do you really mean by that? Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. What did he mean by that? You mean Hezekiah is deceiving us? Sally, that's the way many Christians act. Some rebel who's disgruntled with God, who's running from God, refuses to get right with God, doesn't like ultimatums from God, will spout off and say, well, this is what took place. This, you, ought, you ought to know this. And then we say, what, is, what, what, what does he mean by that? Why do you even listen to him? Pastor, I wish you had set them straight. I didn't invite them to the conversation. They answered them not a word. And too many Christians today, and I don't think it's, it's in our church. I hope it's not. I, I really don't think it is. But generally speaking, too many Christians think the Internet's the place to get on there and defend the truth. That's the last place you want to get on. Uh, they, they held their peace. Then notice in chapter 19, verse number 4. Let's look at verse number 3. Then they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. Um, Hezekiah saw for what it was. It's certainly a day of trouble and blasphemy. Because when the oppressor went after the people of God, who is he going after? He ultimately is going after the God of the people. Because let's just... Let's just think about this for a moment. 
when, when God blessed his people and he provided for him a land, the people had a choice. You remember this when we went through Deuteronomy. Either convert or God will destroy you. No matter how many coexist bumper stickers get placed on bumpers around our nation, God's not interested in coexisting. And God's word still says, convert or you'll be destroyed. It doesn't matter how much celebration takes place today. The day's coming. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is taking his rightful place. And those that converted will rule and reign with him. And those that did not will be destroyed. So ultimately, Sennacherib thought he was bigger than God. I'll destroy you like I did everybody else, and your God can't save you. Look at verse 4, chapter 19. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rapshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God. This is what many don't understand. Pastor, why are you, why, why are you so quiet on the thing? Oh, God's listening. God hears. And the oppressor, while he's giving this big speech, oh, it's good. And the days after, it's good. See? I guess it's not true. God, I, God didn't strike me dead. Hey, day's coming. Day's coming. Why did, well, maybe God will hear what they said. Maybe God will hear. This is where we can't get distracted with everything that's going on politically, everything that's going on in our world. The church has a mission. If this is taking place and this is taking place, let's, let's do our business and God will take care of his business. And God is going to judge our nation. God is judging. He's not going to. He is judging our nation. What is our responsibility? We're supposed to just trust him, follow him, and the commission of the church is to reach the world with the gospel. And the devil knows that. That's why he's an oppressor. That's why he sometimes is like, Pastor, how come these other churches, they don't, well, they're not doing anything to hinder the work of the devil. But maybe God will hear. And will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard, wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. They didn't answer, and then they let God deal with the oppressor. They let God deal with it. Truth of the matter is, they couldn't deal with the oppressor. They had to trust God. If we're to continue reading verse 6, verse 7, and the rest of chapter 19. I'd encourage you to do it. We're out of time. I won't take time tonight. But I believe the number is, I could be mistaken, but I believe the number is 450,000 God smites in the middle of the night. And it says they woke up with the corpses the armies did. Could you imagine what that would have been like? You tell them. They better. Then one morning wake up and there's 450,000 dead people. Did Hezekiah do that? Nope. Did the people do that? Nope. God did it. Friend, I believe this more than I've ever believed it.
God's people need to do less answering and more depending. We do more praying. Hezekiah did what only he could do. You know, sometimes God puts us in a situation. We have been preaching for a decade. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Oh, we can have revival. But yet, we as God's people have not confessed. By the way, it's not just praying. It's confessing and, and, and getting right with God. And, well, I would think things that are going on in our country now, Christians are having to talk to God a little bit more. Oh, discern the voice of the oppressor. As your pastor, I have made the vow to you, and I remind you of the night, I will fight the devil for you. I will fight for you and your family. But I'm going to do it in my prayer closet. I'm going to do it in my stand. I'm going to do it preaching the word of God. I'll fight for you. I don't want, it, I don't want one casualty. This preacher does not celebrate when somebody falls. I weep when somebody falls. Discern the voice of the oppressor. He makes a good speech. He makes a good talk. And sometimes it even makes a little bit of logical sense. I mean... A slave would be better than dying. They didn't die, did they? No, God took care of it. Let's stay true to this book until Jesus comes or he calls us home. And let's not be deceived by the oppressor. I'd rather live my life constrained by the Spirit of God than in bondage to this world. I'd rather, you can call me narrow-minded, you can call me a dinosaur, you can call me out of touch. I've been called a lot of things. But to God be the glory, and with His help, I'll never be called a compromiser. And, by, and quite frankly, since this is one of those messages, there's too many preachers that are too sensitive to what the people of this world might call them. And we ought to be more sensitive to being labeled as something like a compromiser. As somebody who would sacrifice their people for the, to the devil. Hey, parents, I know it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. But those kids that God's getting trusted you with are precious. Let me remind you, they do not belong to you. They belong to God. He's entrusted you with them. When the presser comes... Don't open the door. He's uninvited. And if he shows up at your house like he has shown up at everybody's house who's in the room at some point or another, show him his way out. Don't give in. It's a good speech. It's a good speech. He never tells you the whole story. Let's depend on God. Father, use